0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I want to mention two things. One is um, a thank you to TorahAnytime.com for everything that they do for the Jewish nation. What they've become, you know, the Shmooz and Torah Anytime began, I think, together 15 years ago or so, and they have become the most powerful organization, to my knowledge, they talk about yeshivas. There's no yeshiva in the world that has as many hours of Torah learned per year as does Torah any time. It's a tremendous force in a class all. Also, if you're interested, they have a WhatsApp Chizik group. If you'd like to receive daily inspiration, right to your phone. Just send a, uh, please subscribe to 929-355-4268. Again, to get the daily inspiration of the WhatsApp group, just send a, <clears throat> please subscribe to 929-355-4268. One more word, and that is, you know, we talk about the the value of a Jewish life, which is incalculable. One Jewish life is beyond description. What if you had the ability to save 10 Jews? What about 100? What about an organization that effectively is saving 1,000 Jews? Chazak has, in the past four years, taken 1,000 Jews from public school and put them in yeshivas. And I don't have to tell you today, the difference between being in a public school and being in yeshiva... It is literally the difference between being a Jew or the opposite. So it's a big, uh, <coughs> it's a big appreciation that I have for their work, and I very much appreciate joining together with them. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the base of Mikdush. He surrounded the city, broke into the walls, and he finally destroyed the base of Mikdush. Of course, the story didn't begin there. Hashem said, novi after novi, warning after warning, do tshuva, repent, return, didn't do any good. And then it was clear that Hashem had to send someone to destroy the base of Mikdush. But here was the problem. It's a pusuk, we say, in Echa Hashem will only give over His nation to the most powerful, and it's only the most powerful nation in the world at the time that will be able to conquer Israel. Bova was not that powerful. Nebuchadnezzar, who was king, rose to tremendous power very quickly because he was to be the one to destroy the base of Mikdash. And in fact, he became effectively the most powerful man alive. And he surrounded the city, destroyed the base of Mikdash. And the Gemara asks one interesting point. He got power, honor, the thing he coveted most. Why would Hashem give him that sort of power? That Beit Beis needed to be destroyed, I get it. But what allowed him to be the one to be emperor of the earth? For years, for years he was the most powerful person alive. What did he do to merit that? And the Gemara explains that quite a number of years earlier, when he was not a king, he was but a scribe. He was a scribe in the court of Merudach. Merudach was the Melech. And one day, the word came to Merudach that Chizkiyahu Melech Yehuda was ill. Not just ill, he was on his deathbed. And it was very clear that Chizkiyahu did not have long to live. Miraculously, Chizkiyahu was healed. And it was such a clear miracle that everyone understood. It was from Hashem. And Merudach, king of Bovil, which was in a small country, was not that powerful, was tremendously moved by this. His scribe, Netzer was not there. So Merudach said, I'm going to write the letter myself. He writes the letter and sends it out to Ashleach, sends it to Chiskeel Melchiehuda. The next day, Nebuchadnezzar comes as a scribe, and Merudach said, Yesterday I sent a letter. Oh, what did you write, Your Majesty? I wrote as follows Peace to the king Chiskeel, peace to the city Yushalayim, peace to the great God. Says Nebuchadnezzar, you got it backwards. If you say he's the great God, how dare you mention him last? You should have said first, <clears throat> peace to the great God, peace to the city of Yishalayim, finally peace to Khiskio. How could you put God last? Merudah says, you're right, you <coughs> solved the problem, go solve it. The it tells us that at that point Nebuchadnezzar runs after that messenger, because he was already on the way. He took four steps and Gavriel HaMalach stopped him. And the Gemara tells us, had he taken more than four steps, there would have been no salvation to the Jewish people. The reward for his standing up for the honor of Hashem. The reward for that is such that he was allowed to be the most powerful man in his era. The greatest honor, he was the one to destroy the base of Mechish. Now here's the question. Whether it ended well for him or not, he was accorded tremendous, tremendous prestige, honor, power. Something he coveted, something he desired. And the question is why, and the Gemara's answer was because he said to the king, you called Hashem's name last, that's incorrect. What's the big deal? For that he deserves to be emperor of the earth? For that he deserves to be the most powerful person alive? Okay, he stood up for the honor of Hashem, it's good, it's right, it's proper. But why does that allow him to be the most powerful person alive? And to understand the answer to this, we have to understand the world we live in a little bit differently. The world we live in is a bit confusing. On the one hand, there are so many beautiful things. We make a string of brachas each morning thanking Hashem for the tremendous blessings that we have. Sight, hearing, feeling, mobility. Did you ever notice it's very hard to actually feel that? And as much as there's beauty in the world, there's tremendous ugliness. And it's true that there are great pleasures... But there are also great pains. And pain is not simple. When you smash your elbow, it hurts, but that's very different than when you smash your knee. When you scrape your skin, that hurts, but that's different than a toothache, which is different than a stomachache, which is different than a migraine. You could write poetry about the different flavors of pain, 32 different shades of it. The question is why. I understand the pleasure, I understand the beauty But opposite everything good, there seems to be ugliness, there seems to be pain. Why would Hashem do that? And even more, as a high school Rebbe, I used to take my guys to the Science Center in Rochester. And I used to say, gentlemen, prepare, we are entering the Temple of God. Because they would demonstrate but a slight, slight, slight sliver of a small part of the great wisdom of Hashem. And when you see the inner workings of a cell, and you see that it's more complex than New York City, you see Hashem. So here's the question. Why is it so hard to see Hashem in our world? Why is it so difficult? And even more, I think the most powerful question is, Hashem created us for one reason, to grow, to accomplish, to change the essence of I. Why is it so difficult? If you've ever tried to stop one bad habit, if you've ever worked on anger or jealousy, nor arrogance you'll discover a very interesting thing that it is very very difficult I've been at this game 40 years now I've been learning most daily and I can tell you changing Amida is incredibly difficult and there's a whole gamut of different traits and different activities why is it so hard to do what we were put on the planet to do Now, without being irreverent a person might ask I don't get it pain ugliness suffering So hard to see Hashem, and so hard to change. Hashem, couldn't you have done a better job? And I'd like to share with you that that question is not irreverent. And it also happens to be correct. Hashem could have done a much better job. And the proof in the pudding is, Hashem did a much better job. When Adam Harishon, the first man, opened his eyes, he saw a beautiful world. A world replete with wonder. A world totally, totally in perfect synchrony, in perfect harmony. And when he looked out at the world, he was brilliant. He was a fully loaded Wikipedia in his brain. He understood everything. Hashem said to the Malachim, to the angels, before Hashem created man, If you want to know who man is going to be, his wisdom is going to be greater than yours. And when Hashem created Adam, the Molokim themselves, the Medrish tells us, Big Shulamashira, they almost mistook him for Hashem, if it could be. He was so brilliant, so capable, and so in control that every single animal in creation, every single thing in creation, bowed to him in humble submission. Adam Morishon was very, very different than you and I. Because it wasn't just that he understood things with total clarity, it wasn't just that he was brilliant. He could easily change himself. If you've ever tried to diet, you discover something interesting. I will not eat chocolate cake again, but the next day I want that cake. I don't, I do, I don't, I don't. And if I want to change something, I have to fight my very nature. You see, my decision not to want to eat cake doesn't stop my desire to eat cake. That's because we're in the world that we live in now, but that wasn't the world that Adam was born into. Adam was born into a world where he was malleable. He was plastic. He could change his very essence. If he felt he was eating too much of a given food, (laughs) he could change the very essence of his nature and no longer desire that. But that wasn't the greatness of man. The greatness of Adam was that he could change all of his traits. If he felt there was a tad too much arrogance, in just a decision, he was no longer arrogant. A little bit of a temper changed not kind enough, changed. He was completely plastic. If you'd like to understand, Adam, before the sin, it was as if he was a man wearing a bear's costume, but he wasn't pulled by it. He wasn't affected by it. He was outside the bear. And Hashem said to Adam, look at my world. Look at the beauty. Look at the trees. Pay attention that you don't destroy my world. And... When Adam Elishan ate from the eight Sadas, when he did that first sin, he destroyed the world. He changed the world. No longer was he so brilliant. No longer was he outside that bear's costume. He now was mixed in. He now was mixed into the very essence of the bear. And you and I now are much in the state that Adam Elishan created when he did that first sin. And if you'd like to understand our state, I have a very simple mushle. Imagine we have Moishi. He's 18 years old, first year of Medrish, Medrash. And he decides, you know what? I'm <clears throat> no longer in high school. I'm a base Medrash guy. This Purim, I'm getting drunk. And he decides to get himself good and drunk. Kahava, <clears throat> Purim day, you see him out there in the street. Moishi, what are you doing? I'm playing in traffic. Moishi, you're going to get hit by a car. I know, hit by a car. Smack, crack my back. Moishi, you're going to get hit by a car and suddenly get out. I know, smack, crack my back. They will put pins in. I'll go through the metal detector. Ding, ding, ding. Now, what's going on? You're having a conversation with him. He's clearly conversant. He <clears throat> understands the consequences. Hit by the car, put his back back together. What's happening is he's drunk. He doesn't see with any clarity. He doesn't understand the consequences. Yes, he can mouth the words, but he doesn't get it. Folks, that's you and I right now. You and I are tremendously confused, tremendously mixed up. One minute I'm talking to Hashem right there, and the next minute I'm spaced out. One minute I'm so kind, giving and caring, and the next minute I'm a lout. The same human being. Because I'm ever confused, I'm inside, mixed up. And that is only the result of Adam arishon after the sin. When he ate from the Eitz Sadas, he changed the world. And at that point, everything became different. Everything became what it is we see now. But I'd like to ask you a very simple question. How could one man do all that? Meaning, if you tell me that man sinned and damaged himself, I get it. He damaged himself. But how did he wreck a world? How do we now live in a world vastly different than the one he lived in, just because he ate from the eight sadas? Very nice. He ate from the tree. He shouldn't have done it. But how do you destroy a world? And Hashem said to him, Pay attention that you don't destroy my world. And if you'd like to understand that, you have to understand a little bit of background to why Hashem created the world and what life is about. Everything in creation was created for that one man. And when man was Makalka, when he destroyed the world, now Hashem says to him, everything is different. No longer can you perfect yourself. No longer can you change yourself. And now we need something totally different. You're going to be on this planet for a few short years, whatever those years may be, and after you're done, you will leave this world, and you, the essence of you, will go to Ulaman Shamas. You'll be there, and Hashemas, where I, I the one who thinks, I the one inside, I go to this, we'll call it a holding pen, and for a certain amount of time I spend there, and then when I'm finished, I'm put back into this body for tziyas resuscitation of the dead, a whole new state. You see, what Hashem said to Adam was, "You have decreed death on the world, because now the world has been so changed. It's been so changed that it can no longer perfect itself. It can no longer reach that level of perfection. The only thing that has to happen is there has to be death. You'll leave this world. You go to Olman Shamos, and then we'll rebuild the world in a different state. Would you like to understand the opportunity that Adam and was given? I'll explain to you in very simple terms. On August 6, 1945, the world discovered a whole new dimension of power. That was the day when the United States Air Force dropped the first atom bomb on Hiroshima and an entire modern city was devastated, destroyed. 100,000 people died on impact, 100,000 more were injured. 37 miles away, the blast shattered windows. And the world now understood that we're dealing with a whole new dimension of power. TNT, dynamite, is powerful. You could blow a person up. Load a truck with it, you could blow up a building. But how do you level a city? How do you annihilate an entire population? What power? And the yield of the atom bomb, as measured in TNT, is 20,000 tons. Four million sticks of dynamite. So much power, so much energy released that it destroys the city. The yield on today's bombs are not measured any longer by thousands of tons. They are now measured by millions of tons. The largest bomb ever detonated was 50 million tons of TNT, approximately 100 billion sticks of dynamite. And if you'd like to understand what that means, Everything, everything within three-mile radius would become a crater. There's so much power released in a nuclear bomb that everything is destroyed within miles and miles around, digging a crater almost half a mile deep into the ground. Because we're dealing with a whole new dimension of energy. It's not conventional weaponry. We're dealing with subatomic, releasing the electron bonds, releasing the underpinnings of that which keeps everything in creation. And that's exactly what Hashem said to Admarishon. Everything in the physical world has a spiritual counterpart. Everything that's in the world that exists has a spiritual counterpart. And that spiritual counterpart is what keeps it in existence, what guides it, what powers it. And that spiritual part of the world is in your hands. Use the world properly to become powerful, to become elevated. Misuse the world and you're going to destroy. Destroy what? You're not going to chop down the trees You're not going to start using straws and using plastic bags and not being ecologically sound. You're going to destroy the spiritual underpinnings of the world. And if you look at a conventional weapon, you say, how much can you blow up with one bomb? But when you understand that you're releasing the underpinnings, the electrons that are holding together those bonds, you understand you're dealing with a whole different dimension of power. What Hashem said to Admarishon is, every physical component of the world has a spiritual underpinning, and the entire spiritual world is based on you. If you use it properly, it's elevated, it accomplishes his mission. If you abuse it, it's misused. And when Marishan sinned, what he did was he destroyed the underpinnings of the world, and now the world we live in is what it is. It's very different, very changed, very dark, very confusing, and very difficult to do that which we're supposed to do. And we go through these years here, whatever years they are, and when I call the gym, we work, we struggle, Sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we change, sometimes we don't. We live in this state, and as Hashem said to Adam, in this state that man now is, he cannot perfect himself. You will not be in that state that you were created to be. You will not be perfect, you will not be dovik to Hashem. That's what you were made to be. You can't do it. And therefore, as the Darak Hashem explains to us, there needed to be a whole new dimension to the world. That had to be Death. Death is a time when my body is put in the ground, and I, I the one who thinks, I the one who feels, I the one who remembers, leave, and I sit in the Olam shamas It's a place where the Neshamas sit for a certain amount of time. The pleasure there that the Neshamah experiences is beyond description, because I'm no longer bound by the body, I'm no longer confined, I'm no longer held back. I experience Hashem, the joy, but not just that. Everything that I was held back from accomplishing in this world... But I could have done, I'm allowed to access then. <clears throat> Meaning, let's say I worked on my temper here. I worked and I worked, and sometimes it changed a little, sometimes it didn't, sometimes I got angry despite, but I tried. I really honestly tried. Explain to Darakusham what you're doing is you're creating almost like a shadow man. <laughs> Meaning you may still have a temper, but the shadow man that you're creating is more perfect. And as you work on it more, that shadow man becomes more perfect and more perfect. You'll never perfect yourself. Why? Because you're still a human being. You're locked into this body. And in this body, it's confusing and it's dark, and you can't change yourself. But the work that you put in creates the shadow man. If you work on dominating you work on emunah, you work on about being a tested doing for other people, you're changing yourself. And you can be a giant shadow of a man. I may stand here as a little, little man. Another person you may see may see the same size. That person may have a shadow... That beyond description, huge. Because he worked and he worked, I, he looks the same as me, he acts the same, his work couldn't happen. His work was blocked by the body, and the body's put in the ground, then Hashem leaves, and whoosh, whatever you should have accomplished, whatever you worked on, but were held back, you're allowed to be <clears throat> in that state, you remain for a certain while. And then there's, Hashem revitalizes the dead, the dead come back, and we're in a state similar to Ademarishon, in that state on this earth, similar to Adem we're able to reach greater levels of perfection, greater level of dzekos to Hashem, and in that state we remain forever. And that's an introduction to what I'd like to speak to you about today. You notice we have this world, all the men'shamas, but there's no discussion of Mashiach. No dis- where's Mashiach? There's this world, the gym we work with, chain. Olam when I leave this world and forever, I'm close to Hashem, I'm in that holding pin for pen for a while. Then this triyas but what happened to Mashiach? Mashiach is a reality that happens in the world that we live in now, and the world remains as it does now. The Rambam explains, Olam Hago Nohig. The world will function exactly as it does now. You'll still go to work. You'll still put a seed in the ground and up will come a tree. The world will effectively be the same. The one distinction is Malaya or its Hashem. The entire world will see Hashem clearly, visibly there. The details aren't 100% clear. We'll all go to Eretz rebuild the base of Migdash. But those aren't the major changes. The major change is that every human being wakes up and every human being sees Hashem right there. But not theoretically, not, I think, physically seeing Hashem as if I know this is here, this is it. You see Hashem, you experience Hashem. And that single difference changes everything. Because you see, it's not just that we see that Hashem is right there. Suddenly I understand that everything was orchestrated throughout history by Hashem. When you read the papers, if you look over history, yeah, I guess Hashem was there. When Mashiach comes like the sun at midday, everyone will see Hashem right there. Everyone will know that Hashem orchestrates every activity under the sun. And what that means in plain simple language is, I'll look back and say, oh, Hashem put that thought into His head. Why did Hashem put that thought into His head? Because that was supposed to happen. Because that's supposed to happen. We'll look back on history and see the Yad Hashem with absolute clarity. And not just that. Every human being will understand that most elusive concept. That everything that is in existence is only in existence, because Hashem keeps it in existence. Not only will I see Hashem right here, not only will I see the fact that Hashem orchestrates every activity under the sun, everything that exists is only held in existence by Hashem, keeping the spiritual dimension there, keeping the physical dimension there, keeping everything where it's supposed to be. And that single concept changes everything. Why? No longer will I fear. When you fear? Hashem's right here. Fear what? No longer will be competition. What do you mean competition? First of all is watching. And more than that, what do you mean compete? You're gonna make more than me. I'm gonna make Hashem determines exactly how much money I'm supposed to get, how much money you're supposed to get? Lying, stealing, cheating? Forget about it. First of all, I understand that if I take money from you, Hashem will take it out of my other pocket. I get it, I see it, it's clear as day. But more than that, why would I do that? Hashem is watching, and this single cognition, knowing that Hashem is there, and knowing that Hashem sees, changes everything. There's no Sahara, and there's no longer a blockage. There's no longer my heavy body stopping me from experiencing and understanding things. And gentlemen, would you like to understand what life is like today? When you go to the dentist, and he gives you a Novocaine shot, and everything's numb, and you walk out and you realize, I'm drooling, oh, I'm going to clean that up, because I don't feel my lips. We have Novocaine in the heart. I can't experience Hashem I hear about another Jew's pain. Okay, I'll try to feel a little bit. I don't feel. I don't think. I don't remember. I'm dead. Hayinu Kacholmim, the Arzvash says, we're like 60th of alive. As we live now, when we say Sheremalos, you're supposed to understand when Hashem brings Mashiach, suddenly like the sun at midday. We see things with such clarity, such understanding, and we recognize that my entire life I was sound asleep. I was one sixtieth alive, barely focused, barely understanding, barely living. And in that moment, everything changes radically and completely. Because you see, I don't drink bleach. You could offer me $100, you could offer me $1,000, I will not drink a cup of bleach because it's stupid. It's going to eat out my intestines. I'm not doing it. When Mashiach comes, every human being alive understands that everything that Hashem commands is for our benefit. Every Aveira damages me, every mitzvah helps me to become what I'm going to be, and every human being gets it. As I don't drink bleach now because it's the height of absurdity, I, you, and every other occupant of the planet will not sin when Mashiach comes because we get it, we understand it, and everything changes. You see, now we have intuitive understandings. Now deep down I know it. Maybe it's Yom Kippur. I know that I'm speaking to Hashem. Maybe if it's when my car is falling off the cliff, I cry out to Hashem and I realize Hashem runs the world. But we're living asleep. When Mashiach comes, every human being alive suddenly gets it. And when we get it, everything changes. Needless to say what matters. Needless to say what we're involved in. But more than anything, our very value system. What are people into today? Money, honor, prestige, power maybe want to be famous. All of that is seen for what it is then. We say the words now, oh, money can't buy happiness, money is just passing, but it's not how we feel. Then we'll recognize it, feel it, and experience it. And every human being alive will want one thing and one thing only, to cling to Hashem. Why? Because Hashem is great, Hashem is the creator, Hashem is the devil. We'll be pulled like a piece of metal to electromagnet, every human being alive. And as an aside today's world, there are people called rock stars. You play guitar well, maybe you sing badly, you become a rock star. Maybe you become an influencer on Facebook, YouTube. You become an influencer, you become a basketball star. There will be rock stars when Moshe comes. Would you like to know who those rock stars are going to be? You and I. Because the Jewish nation have a special entree to Hashem. We're allowed access to Hashem that no other human being is allowed. And every guy will say, "Wow! Could you teach us? Could you show us? Could you help us know and the reason why the guy will follow us, trail us, is because we will be rock stars? Because every human being understands the greatness of Hashem. Every human being understands why we're here, and every human being wants to know Hashem as much as they can. And we are the Jewish nation. We are Hashem's bond and Hashem's children. And when you wake up in the morning, when you open your eyes, there's a sense of joy, happiness." Fulfillment. Let's go 24 hours to change, to grow, to become what I could be. Would you like to know why we need Mashiach? There's a lot of pain in the world today, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of things that happen that are really, really bad, ugly, and serve man no good. Every calamity, every catastrophe, every building collapsing will not be any longer. And there Hashem explains, Hashem only brings those things because of one reason, because there's sin in the world. There'll be no sin. There'll be no misfortunes, no hurricanes, no typhoons, no disease, no illness, no heart attack, no strokes. No one, no one gets ill. But more than that, everyone, everyone today suffers. We all battle battles. For some people it may be battling temptation. Some people may be battling against jealousy. Some people may be battling against feeling inferior. Other people are balancing a sense of inferiority. Maybe anxiety, maybe depression. But everyone today suffers. You may not always be aware of it. But when you ride that plane to Eretz you're on there for 11 hours, you land and they shut the jets off, and suddenly, wow, the quiet is deafening. Only then do you realize that for the past 11 hours there's been this rumbling noise of the jets... And it's only when it stops that suddenly you recognize what quiet is. When Mashiach comes, every human being alive will recognize peace, happiness, tranquility. I and I will be at peace. I will no longer be at war with my nature. I will no longer fight myself. I will no longer spend my time working and working and working and not getting anywhere. Every human being will change. Life will be perfect. The world perfect. And it is a world that's very, very much worth aspiring for, very much worth dreaming about. If you wonder why we need the Beis HaMikdash, why we need Mashiach, one thing simply, the obvious Chilil Hashem. Hashem created a world, such a complex world, and so many harmonious systems. Study it, look at it, the vastness, the complexity, the beauty. And uh, people deny Hashem's existence deny the creator, if anything, scorn and derision, and we as children of Hashem should feel tremendous anger, how dare you insult my creator, how dare you insult my God that way, Hashem is the creator of the heavens and earth and everything in between, and that single cognition alone is worth Mashiach coming but there's probably a much more personal reason and that is because we feel our own pain And even if you yourself are not in pain, just look around your community. Look around the people who suffer. Look around the people who go through things. And everybody's got a story. Everybody has something. It's this kid or that kid or that kid or the other kid. And you see people today in such different states of misery, unhappiness, unfulfilled. And if you know that all of that in an instant stops. The entire world suddenly sees Hashem, suddenly understands why we're here, and suddenly has a lust for life, because I get it. What I could accomplish, what I could do, I could be close to Hashem, wow, let's go. But it's not words, it's feelings. I get it, I and I are at peace, and everything that I've dreamt about being one day, I can instantly become... If the world seems confusing, you are correct. It is a very, very mixed up world. Very different, very different competing parts. There's tremendous beauty in the world. Look at a sunrise, look at a sunset, look at the ocean, look at a landscape, look at the trees. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous world. And at the same time, there's such ugliness. And there's so many things that are not pretty at all. There's so many pleasures that Hashem created for us to enjoy. And it's so difficult to remember them. I have a schmooze I say, I think it's schmooze number six, the orange schmooze. I try to say it as often as I can. Because I spend a lot of time defining and describing what an orange is. And when I say that schmooze, so the next week afterwards, I eat an orange, an apple, a banana differently. I appreciate it. But then it's gone. And if you wonder why it is that it's so hard to be happy. Why is it so hard to enjoy the beautiful world that Hashem created? It's because the world that we're in now is not the ideal world. When Adam Harishon sinned, he changed the essence of creation. From clarity and absolute understanding, he now made it occluded and dark. Nova came to the heart. We're now like that drunk Yeshiva I'm getting hit by a car. Sometimes we get in, sometimes we don't, sometimes we, go, we wake up and most of the time we're sound asleep. And if you wonder why is it so hard to change, it's so hard to change because it's impossible to perfect yourself the way you are now. And when Hashem said that the Mauritian is, the world has to go according to a different plan. <clears throat> Would you like to know why Nebuchadnezzar was allowed to destroy the base of Mikdash? Why was he given that great honor of being the emperor of the earth? It's because he took four steps in the honor of Hashem. And you'll say, so What? If you understood what it means in this dark, cloudy world we live in to take four steps in the honor of Hashem you'd understand He was given tremendous reward because He was paid back His reward in this world. Would you like to understand what reward means? I'll ask you a very simple question. Why did Hashem allow Adam Harishon to be the one to mess up the world for us? We're sitting on the floor now. Why do I have to suffer because of the first man? And more than that, Didn't Hashem know? Didn't Hashem understand that other Marishan is going to mess up? Wasn't Hashem smart enough to know that? So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to share with you that yes, Hashem understood that very well. But you see, that's the problem. When you create a perfect world, man is completely responsible. And if you'd like to know what responsibility means, one act and it destroys the world. Because he had total clarity. He had total understanding. For him to sin was so egregious that literally destroyed the world, changed the world. When Hashem allowed Adam Rishon to do that, it was because the world we live in is very different. The world we live in, there's a shoulder to the road. There are second chances. There are third chances. Because after all, it's so dark, it's so confusing, it's so hard. What can you expect from a person? And the world we live in is tremendous rachamim. Why? Because of the darkness, because of the confusion, because it's so hard to grow, and therefore we're allowed so much shoulder to the road. And you can mess up for years, and in one decision you begin changing and growing, and you become a different person, and the past is eradicated. That couldn't exist in the world of Adam Rishon, because the world of Adam Rishon, he was brilliant, he was understanding, and with that understanding, Hashem said the spiritual world, the underpinning of the earth is Dependent on you, much like the nuclear forces that release the energy of the atom, the entire spiritual world is in your hands, there's no going back. And Hashem realized that this world that we, li- we live in now is far better for us. Why? Because the human being will make mistakes, the human being will mess up. Haraya, other Marishan did. And you're given tremendous opportunity to change, a tremendous opportunity to grow. And the little things that you do become huge. Would you like to know how huge? And Nebuchadnezzar took four steps in the honor of Hashem. That was so huge that if you want to know, calculate his reward that's awaiting for him, it's being emperor of the earth. Why? Because he was a Russia, and Hashem wanted to pay him back in his world so we could get rid of him in the world to come. We don't need him there. All of his reward he was given in this world. And if you'd like to know the reward waiting for a person who stands up for the honor of Hashem, it's being king of the earth. A Russia, who stands up, just takes four steps in the honor of Hashem is worthy of being king of the earth because the world we live in is so dark and if you cut through the darkness you realize it, you understand it and you're in a very different position you gain reward that's incalculable and the reason why Hashem created Adam knowing full well that Adam would sin is because the world we live in right now is far better in a sense yes it's confusing yes it's ugly yes it's difficult yes there's pain and sorrow but there's opportunities that we have here that we're not going to have in the times of Mashiach. Should we wait for Mashiach? I sure think so. Number one, the Chil Hashem is beyond description. But number two, the pain is enough. And the pain becomes worse and worse every year. I've been standing at this podium, I'm afraid to say, over 10 years now. And every year, I think this is the end. It can't get any worse. And then it got so much worse. And by the way, folks, let's say you're not sure. I'm not convinced Mashiach is, you know, it's been 1,900, 2,000 years Maybe he's not going to come. If you were ever uncertain, let me just share with you one simple observation. For 1900 years we've been in exile. Every major nation, every race, had their moment of power, and their moment of power rise against the Jews to kill them, and they are gone, and the Jewish nation is still around. Oddly enough, we reoccupied our homeland. The very same Eretz Israel that Yeshua brought us into, is the very same land that we rebuilt now to be the most powerful state in that region. All of the Arabs quake in fear of the mighty Israeli. Mighty Israeli. I was a kid growing up during the 67 war. You know what the fear was? The fear was Israel be annihilated. There were 50 million Arabs surrounding this tiny little sliver of a nation. There was no way they could win. My father was born in Berlin. And my father told me in 1948 when Israel was declared a state, everyone knew what would be. It would be another holocaust. There were 750,000 Jews living in Palestine at the time. And they declared themselves a state. but There was no army, no navy. The British had been in charge of Palestine. The rules were a Jew could not own a gun. There was no real army. Underneath Palmach, there had various little groups. But it was hidden. And in one moment, Israel declares itself a nation. May 14th, the next day, five modern Arab armies attack from every side, with air force, with navy, with full artillery, with full battalions. And oddly enough, Israel won. 67 was no better, 73. And now today, we're living in a world where Israel is the mighty power. Use discretion, hold back, you can't use your full might. Because Israel could beat any one of its enemies, as well as probably all of them together, according to the ways of the world. And what you're seeing is ridiculous and beyond description. For almost 2,000 years we exist in exile, and we come back to our country and rebuild it to its height. But not just that. You're sitting on the floor now, even after Chatzos. Because for the past almost 2,000 years, your fathers, your grandfathers, your grandfathers, before that, sat on the floor. We're wearing the same tzitzit, wearing the same tefillin, keeping the same mitzvahs exactly the way Abaye and Rava, all the way down to the Rishonim, down to the front. We keep the same mitzvahs exactly the same. And if that doesn't sound odd to you, if you ever understand, says that is one of the greatest mofahs. Because any nation, when they're sent into exile, very quickly assimilates. Find me a Native American Indian today wearing the headdress and the moccasin. They have entire retreats. They have entire land, which are, no federal laws on them. No federal laws on the Indian reservations. And not only can't you find an original American Indian smoking the peace pipe, wearing the headdress, they wear jeans, they wear shirts, they look, smell, talk, just like any other American. Because that's the ways of the world you assimilate the culture amongst the people you're in, you become just like them, yet the unique nature of the Jewish people, we've kept the exact mitzvahs that our fathers, our grandfathers, generations before, in the exactitude and exact manner. And says and Yonashin, that's a miracle greater than Kriya Shamsuf. So if you're not quite sure that the fact that we still exist <coughs> is a sign, if you're not quite sure the fact that we rebuilt Israel is a sign, if you're not quite sure the fact <coughs> that we keep the very same mitzvahs. I'll share with you one last observation: Western civilization is crumbling; society is coming apart. I'm not going to get into the list of things because I've done it in years past. But I'd like to share with you the last time I stood on this podium, and now I think it was two years ago because COVID. I don't think I was here. And the difference between the world now and the world two years ago is beyond description. We are not discussing immorality. We're not discussing having an affair. We're discussing insanity, where psychiatric illnesses become a civil right, and they teach kindergarten children I don't want to say the words here but they teach them to be unnatural, deviants, but not deviant in a sense of enjoying some kind of expression, and deviance in a, psychi- in a very psychiatrically damaged way. And it's being taught, it's being propagated. And when you hear about things like socializing the country and defunding the police and <clears throat> Black Lives Matters, the whites have to give back supremacy. To the, the whole society is crumbling. If you're not sure that Western civilization is in trouble, <clears throat> you look around Europe and you see all of the Muslims who are just beginning to rise up. And you know that Europe is toast. America doesn't have that problem. America has its own problem, maybe far worse. Internally, they've lost their sense of balance. And they're teaching in public schools, the most insane things. Again, I don't want to say it because it's... I'm standing in front of an Aaron Kodesh. And my friends, we are on the cusp of Mashiach. And it's very important to understand what it means and what it doesn't mean. What it means in plain, simple language is we yearn for Mashiach because the pain, the suffering, it's just too much. Hashem, please have redeem us. Stop the bloodshed, stop the torture, stop the internal pain Hashem allow us to finally enjoy life and at the same time that we deeply deeply covet that and deeply desire that you have to also remember the value of one minute today let me close with one observation where it tells us that Rabbi Yossi was going amongst the Churvas Yerushalayim the rune, ruins of Yerushalayim it was right after the base of had been destroyed and he had to it was late in the day so he goes into Churv he goes into a, an abandoned ruined building and he davens Mincha when he comes out, he sees at the door Eliyahu And Eli- Eliyahu says to my son, What did you hear there? When I went into the Churva, when I was davening, I heard a baskal. I heard a heavenly voice say, Woe to the father. Woe to the father who has to exile his children. Rabbi Yossi said, Eliyahu said to me, You should know, it's not just then. Three times a day, Hashem cries out, Woe to the children, <clears throat> they had to exile. Woe to the father who has to be without his children, how terrible it is. But then Elio and Nevi continued. He said, but when the Jewish nation goes into shul, and they say the word, Jehei Shmei Rabba Mevorach, may Hashem's great name be blessed, Hashem says, Ashrei, praised be the king, who they praise so in his home, in his building. And that comes sharing with us is a powerful understanding. If one time during Dominion you wake up, and you recognize that Hashem is here, if one time during Daven, you wake up and say, Hashem, I recognize you are the creator and one who orchestrates everything, that is so powerful, so impactful, that Hashem says, "Ashrei, praise be the king, who they recognize such. When Mashiach comes, everyone's going to get that. Everyone's going to understand that there will be no great reward for that. But now the reward is incalculable. One bracha said properly, one act of chesed done properly, what you can accomplish during these moments of confusion and darkness is great. We yearn for Mashiach because we, the pain is too much. We yearn for Mashiach because of the Chil Hashem. But nevertheless, it's important to understand the tremendous value of these moments and what a person can accomplish here. I want to again thank Chazak, and I want to thank Torah Anytime for all that they do for the Jewish nation. Again, if you'd like to be a participant in the WhatsApp group, Chazak has a daily inspiration that they send out by, via WhatsApp. If you'd like to get daily inspiration to your phone, short little messages, send them. please subscribe to 929-355-4268. Again, that's 929 929- 355-4268. Just send the please subscribe, please add me, and you'll be added to the Chizik group, the WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp Torah Anytime's... Uh, daily Dose. Daily, daily Dose. Torah Times Daily Dose. Okay. You. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.